You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. We are in our next to last sermon on the James series. And if you're looking at the notes, it says James 1. Sandy pointed that out. It should say James 5. My fault. Uh, But we finished this up, and we've been looking at this very practical book which talks about living the Christian life, and it just kind of puts stuff on the bottom line. And this last thing we're talking about is just, we've just titled it Powerful Prayer. And when I think about this, this family entered our space, I guess. The uh, Machado family, we got a email from Jennifer, and it was just letting us know that their 12-year-old son, James, who's here in the front of the picture, looks like a great young guy, doesn't he? Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. That does not sound good at all, and it's not. 12-year-old with serious heart disease. They took him into Randall's Children's Hospital to do the tests, and they discovered that not only did he have that, which is a heart weakness, but he's got some sort of blockage going on in his heart. Now, you're Matthew and Jennifer, and you hear the story about your 12-year-old son. And the doctors say there's, there's no fix for this. And they suggest, why don't you go out and buy a portable AED, automatic electric defibrillator, because if his heart stops, you'll need to be ready to restart it again. What in the world do you do If you're Matthew and Jennifer Machado and your son James has that kind of a work from the doctor. Well, that's our passage for today, James chapter 5. And I want to look at this passage together. I'll just read it here because this is an incredible passage. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. If anyone happy, let them sing songs of praise. If If anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. This is the word of the Lord. And you say, thanks be to God. Powerful passage. Powerful passage. You know, look at what's here, and I think... What's our response to trouble? 
Well, for many people, it's kind of a surly, self-centered, shake your fist at God. For others, it's, God, you've let me down. I'm, a, I'm done. We call it deconstruction, walking away, apathy, rejection, because God didn't do what I want him to do. When times are good, you know, when you're in the pit, you tend to whine. When you're in the pinnacle, hey, this is great. I deserve it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Gary. Of course it should go well. None of you are like that, of course, just me. But see, whether the pit or the pinnacle, what this is saying is we live our life constantly, constantly in this prayer conversation with Father in his community. So that's what we're saying here. Communion with Father is our response to life no matter what. So what happens if you're in trouble? And this is a big trouble, suffering of any kind. What do you do? Well, when things are horrible, machados, you pray with full emotion. And what I find, having grown up in the church and had my time away when I rejected Christianity as a teenager and then came back, what I find is that many people, and myself included, my goal is to pray good, safe prayers. And that will guarantee you have a crummy prayer life. Absolute guarantee when your goal is to have good, safe, doctrinally sound prayers, it'll ruin your prayer life. It's terrible. Right? Say yes. 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 So what kind of prayers should you pray? Whatever the emotion is, you bring that emotion to Father and the Trinity and his community with full emotion. Now, there are things probably not the best thing to do, to scream at God for being an absolutely awful God. That may not be the best thing to do, but that's better than hiding what you're feeling. Better yet is to take your anger and disappointment and share it with our Heavenly Father. Trouble. Pray with full, full emotion. What happens if you're happy? That's allowed. I mean, we're Baptist, but it's allowed to be happy. <laughs> we're going to do baptisms here in a little bit. I'm convinced a lot of people are baptized in vinegar. You know, they're always sour about things and kind of disapproving, especially these days. No, we should be characterized by happy when it's real. And what do you do when you're happy? Well, what this is saying is you sing psalms of praise. And there are lots of them in Scripture. And you sing praise to God and recognize that this is God at work when these things happen, no matter what's the pit or the pinnacle. This is the kind of God we have. Remember back in James chapter 1 when we took at this, if any is lacking in wisdom, that's just the wisdom to know how to live life successfully, ask of God. He gives generously to all. Down a little bit further, that same thing. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He is constant and dependable. He is always compassionate, gracious, so to anger, faithful, loving, just, forgiving. So what we think here is when we're doing this prayer life, no matter whether we're in the pit or the pinnacle, 
remember that God is the giver of good gifts. But here's the thing. Not everything that happens in this world is from God. There's other stuff going on. Who's the other high-level spiritual power going on in our world today? His name is what? Satan. Satan or the devil. And he's active and at work in this world. And a lot of stuff that comes around here is not from God. It's from Satan. Or it's from evil people. Or it's just broken world. COVID is making the circles through our church right now. I mean, I tested positive a couple of weeks ago. And I had the mildest case ever. But some other people are in real serious trouble with COVID. And that's running. That's not God's gift to us. God is present amidst that. He gives good gifts, but not everything you run into is from God because there's other stuff going on in this world. There's other spiritual powers at work. But we believe when we look at God is he is the giver of good gifts. That's the picture we have of him. Here's an invitation. James chapter 4. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. What kind of God are we looking at? This is the God who is always inviting us to be with him. This is not the distant God that you've got to do something to make him happy so he'll look toward you. This is the God who is inviting us to come into his presence. And while there's preparation work to be done to come into his presence, for sure, humble yourself. He's wanting our fellowship. And he's not waiting till we have a, a big smile on our face because if things are difficult, his thing is to sing songs of lament with him. And he'll sing that with you. That's the kind of picture of the God we have. So this is the background when we think of prayer is the Father who always invites us to himself as we feel to bring and share that with him and we come that together. He doesn't stop there. He talks about what happened when you're sick. Machados. What does it say they should do? Call the elders. Now in their case, they did, they emailed us and our last elders meeting Matthew and Jennifer and James came to our elder meeting and we spent time with them, heard their story and anointed them with oil and prayed with them. When this service is over, Carol Clark, many of you know Carol, Tim Clark, her husband died of cancer a couple of years ago and Carol is, had her, her cancer is back in we will pray with her after the service. That's what we do. Because we take this verse seriously. But I want to unpack this a little bit. What is this anointing with oil in the name of the Lord? What is happening here? And what happens when you think of anointing with oil? Oil is typically a symbol of the power of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. And I think that's what he's saying here. And when we, uh, what we do, Jay usually leads us as lead pastor. He has some, I think he has some special blessed oil that's extra holy oil from the holy land I'm, I'm not sure but he takes that and took some, puts it, makes a little cross on people's forehead anoints them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and then with their permission we put hands on them and we pray for them following this. That oil is a symbol a powerful symbol of the presence and power of God which is why we do that 
And what we're doing when we do that, when Jay says, I anoint you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, what we're doing is we're asking God's special attention and care for this family, the Machado family, in this case, Carol Clark, after this service. That's what we're doing. It's, it, there's nothing magical about oil or a particular kind of oil. It, we use olive oil because that's a good oil to do. It's what it did biblically. There's nothing magical about the oil, but it's a powerful symbol of the God who is the giver of good gifts, the God who is powerful and caring. And what we're saying is, when we say, in the name of the Lord, what we're doing is that reminds us where the power is. The power is not in us as elders. I mean, we have responsibilities. We have anointing. I mean, you saw here, was it last week, week before, when he brought our three elders on and installed them? And part of that was drinking the cup as a symbol, again, of the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing we have as elders to lead the congregation here at Grace. And when we pray with people, we do that as elders, but we also do it recognizing we are a channel of blessing through the work that God has called us to do in leading. But that's not unique to us. We have lots of people come around and pray. Because we're just the leaders in this. We're not the, the sole recipients. The power is in the Lord and prayer for his working in the lives of people. I wish this were an easier passage than it is. What's the promise here? What's the promise here? What does it say? I want you to pay attention. What does it say? The prayer of faith will do what? The prayer offered in faith will, what's that second line say? Will make what? The sick person. And the Lord will raise them up. That is as certain as forgiveness for sin in that passage. You know my response to that? It's a lie. The prayer of faith will make the sick person well. Like, really? Let's unpack that a little bit. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. He gives an example. The example he gives in this passage is Elijah. And it talks about the fact that Elijah went to Ahab, the wicked king of the day, and said, it's not going to rain. And that's a direct assault on Baal, the god that Ahab will worship, because he's the god of fertility. And he says, in the name of Yahweh, it will not rain. And it didn't. And if we know the rest of the story, he did other things too. He prayed and the little vat of oil that the widow had never ran out of oil. And when the widow's son died, he prayed and the son was raised up. And then he went back to Ahab and said, it's going to rain. And it did. And then he called all the prophets of Baal together and he said, let's see how it works out here. Let's put some sacrifice down. You guys call fire down from heaven and I'll call fire down from heaven. Let's see how it works out. 
and fire came down on his word, but not on theirs. And shortly after that, Elijah, three or four days later, Jezebel, the wicked queen, called him and said, you're a dead man. And what he saw was the incredible revival that happened when the fire came down there and consumed the sacrifice was failing. The people were going back to their worship of Baal and all the evil practices associated with that. And Elijah was completely bummed, completely bummed. And what did he do? He went out in the wilderness. God met him there. And then he went to the mountain to meet God and said, we got to get this figured out. See, that's a man of faith. That's a, that's a righteous intercessor. But he's not the only one. Noah, after he got off the ark, did a sacrifice. Noah, in Genesis chapter 8, the smoke of the sacrifice went up. Probably used wood from the ark, animals off the ark. And it says God smelled the soothing aroma and said, I will never again wash the earth clean with water. I will never destroy the place again. Even though the violence is going to continue, I will not do it. That's the effective prayer of a righteous intercessor. Moses, in the face of the golden calf, God is totally angry because of the betrayal of these people who so quickly have deserted him and, and mock him by worshiping golden calf. And Moses prays, and God relents and does not kill them, though they richly deserve it. And then again in Numbers 14, when the spies come back and say, there's big people there, God's abandoned us, he's brought it out here to kill us, and they want to go back to Egypt and be slaves again, insulting God to his face, and Moses prays again. And you know about Job. The man who suffered righteously and suffered well, and at the end of the story, the three friends, God said, you didn't do things right, but my friend Job will pray for you. And here's another righteous intercessor praying for people from the nations that they will be forgiven, and they were. That's the righteous intercessor. This is the power of a righteous intercessor. Ironically, Jeremiah, as we went through that sermon series just recently, God tells Jeremiah, don't pray for these people. Do not pray for these people. Because you might persuade me, and I'm ready to punish them. And I'm going to do it this time. They've been doing this stuff for 300 years. They've been going out and sacrificing their children, Moloch, and it's time for them to go to Babylon. So don't pray for them, because you might change my mind. Are you a righteous intercessor? That's what this is talking about. The righteous person. Are you righteous? Well, in one sense, we're righteous. We've been accepted by God. If you've joined the kingdom of Jesus Christ through saying, I will receive your sacrificial love for me and come to you because you're inviting me in your presence. We're going to do baptism here. I mean, the water's warm back there. So you may be here this morning and, you know, I haven't been baptized yet. I have not shown and confessed my faith in Jesus Christ. We will baptize you today. No excuses. We've got clothes, towels, everything. We'll take care of you. So at the end of the service, we're going to invite anybody. Uh, Daryl's going to be over there. And if you can come talk, you go talk to him. And we'd love to baptize you in this service or the next. You guys online, come on down. 
I mean, we've got plenty of time. Get over here. Second service is coming up, 1045. Show up. We'll talk to you. We can do it right now because we really believe that's an important step of righteousness, just showing the reality that I've tied myself in with Jesus Christ. But when I look at this, this is Psalm 66. Come in here, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he's done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. Note this. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God surely has listened and has heard my prayer. What does that say? If I'm choosing sin, it's going to hinder my prayers before God. Husbands. 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way, be considered to live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partners, heirs with you in the generous gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Husbands, how well are you treating your wives? What God is saying, if you don't treat your wife with respect as you should as a husband, if you don't love her by giving yourself for her, it's going to hinder your prayers. See, righteousness is a factor. He said a little bit later, if any of you ask wisdom, you should ask God to give generously to be sure, but he keeps on. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts, that means the one who's going to another God as well, that person should not expect to receive anything from God. If you're going to God and to another God, Baal or Jupiter or whatever, God's not going to answer your prayers, it says. Here's the lack of faith. James chapter 4, you do not have because you don't ask. That's so common. Is we complain about what we don't have, but we don't ask of God. Because for many, we don't believe he's going to do anything anyway. We show it with our actions. See, the prayer of faith says believing that God listens and cares. And when you do ask, you don't receive. How come? Because you are doing it selfishly. See, that's the righteous person. If your prayers are to be answered, we have to be obedient children of the Lord Most High. Now, it's not to say he won't answer your prayer, but what this is saying is my behavior as a child of God impacts significantly my relationship with God. And those of us who are serious about pursuing Christ-likeness, following the message of James, that's what it's there for, because God wants to give us this stuff, but when we're being bratty kids... It's going to hinder the relationship. Prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I've pondered this verse for a long time. And I've seen God answer prayer in my life in amazing ways, but not nearly as often as I would like. Prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Why did James say that? Well, one of the things to note, of course, is that not everyone was healed in James's day. See, and this is where we read these verses in context. And in context, what we see happening in 1 Timothy 5, Paul writing to his disciple Timothy, his son in the faith, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Now, Paul, is he a righteous guy? Say yes. 
Are all of his prayers for healing answered? No. Timothy, his number one dude who's got two books of the Bible written to him, another righteous guy, has frequent illnesses. And he didn't say your prayers are not effective. You've got sin in your life. What he says is take medicine of the day. He finishes up 2 Timothy, the second book to second letter to Timothy, Greek Priscilla and Aquila, I mean powerful couple in the household of Nephthys. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Did prayer always raise up sick people in the first century? No. No. See, we have to read this in context. What it does say, this, that's not 2 Timothy 4, that's 2 Corinthians 12. Eh. Okay, you know, you have no idea how often I look at these things and still get it wrong. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, Paul says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. Now, we don't know exactly what that is, but it's not good, whatever it is, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Here Paul specifically is denied three times following the pattern of our Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane who also prayed, Lord, take this cup from me. And Jesus' prayers were not answered. Paul's prayer to take the thorn in the flesh away was not answered. And, but what he did get, what he did get was grace and presence. That will happen. That will happen. That will happen. The prayer offered in faith. Let's talk about prayer here just a little bit. Does this look like your prayers? <laughs> Val did this down at Twin Lakes Church, Valerie Webb. She's good for, uh, She's a friend. And she used this illustration when she preached this sermon. That, that's why my prayers look pretty disorganized and kind of falling to the floor. I like that. But what she used is she said the prayer of faith, prayer is an act of faith. God is faithful. I like the way she put this together. It's an act of faith and I believe God is faithful, but it's not just that. Prayer is a mystery. God is with us. Prayer is powerful. God is good. So when you pair these together like this, it doesn't give you answers to every little thing, but it gives you a pattern of what this is like because we believe God is a Father who loves us and cares for us. I look at this passage that we've been pondering here together. And it's living that life of prayer, that prayer of faith that says, I believe God is real and cares and it believes in my Heavenly Father and He really has good in mind. And he's working his good even in context where Satan seemed to be winning the battles. Even the context of sin and prayer. I look at that word sick. Anyone sick? What do I do when my prayer looks like stuff's all falling to the floor? Well, that word sick, if I go to Romans chapter 8, the word weakness there, it's the same word. 
Romans chapter 8 is where it says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. See, that's the thing. We've got the Spirit helping us when we pray, when you try praying good, doctrinally safe prayers and start praying real prayers. And frankly, the people here at Grace Community Church, we relish honest, real prayers. And we'll put up a doctrinal heresy if it's what you're feeling at the moment, and then we'll correct you later on, to be sure. But see, the Spirit helps us do these things, is what he's saying here. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's what he's talking about. Live your life in conversation with the Heavenly Father. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say you don't have anxiety. It says God brings his presence into that, and he will be anxious along with us. And there's a peace that comes with that. And then we ponder the things that are good, noble, true, pure, lovely, admirable. Instead of focusing on the evil that Satan's doing, we focus on the good that God is doing. And that's a source of a lot of that peace. So we pray boldly. Even when we don't know what we're doing. We pray boldly with both hands open. I tend to pray with my hand click because I know what God ought to do and I've got good advice for him and he should listen to me, right? I mean, after all, I'm an elder at Grace Community Church. Amen. He seems not totally impressed by that. But soon I come as the son of the Lord Most High and pray boldly. And I've prayed outrageous prayers. I'm going to continue to do it. When we pray with Carol after the service, I don't know exactly what I'm going to pray for her because what I do is I listen for God. I happened to be in the group of people when Luis Palau talked about his lung cancer and revealed it beyond his family for the very first time. I was with a group of pastors that was with Luis and Pat Palau. And as it happened, Sherry and I were sitting right behind Luis and Pat. And there were about 30 of us in the room or so, and we took time to pray for Luis. And because I was sitting right behind them, I had my one hand on Luis's shoulder and one hand on Pat's shoulder. And I just had my spirit open to the Lord. I said, what, what, what do I want to pray here? What I want to do at one level is, Lord, kill the cancer. But as in communion with God, I found myself, that wasn't the prayer that was in my heart. My honest prayer was, Lord, will you extend this man's days and you will empower his voice. And then for Pat, who had been through breast cancer herself, will you give her your peace as she watches this disease progress in her husband? And I prayed those prayers. And God answered both of them. Luis, instead of living for nine months, lived for four years. And in those years, he had more impact maybe than his entire evangelistic life because as a man with cancer, it empowered his voice in incredible kinds of ways. Pray boldly what you feel is the right prayer and leave the spirit to work the things out. Believing that he is the God of power and love that he listens to the prayers of his people. So powerful. See, that's the act of faith. Because the enemy said, God didn't care. Like, he's really busy, and you're, no, you're nothing to him. 
See, that's such a lie because he is busy running the universe, but we're his children and he loves us with an unending love. He's not going to do anything, the enemy says. See, in the prayer of faith, looks back and says, You know, I've seen God powerfully present. I have. Worship team, do you want to come up here? One of the stories that has just intrigued me to no end is this story, Kayla Higginthal, one of the worship leaders and song readers at Bethel Reading. She's moved on now. But she and Andrew woke up on December 14th, 2019 to discover that their little girl, Olive, had died, SIDS, in the middle of the night. They called the police, they called the ambulance, and they came. And this was her Instagram post. You can go look at it. She said, we're asking for prayer. We believe in a Jesus who died and conclusively defeated every grave, holding the keys to resurrection power. We needed for our little Olive Elaine, who stopped breathing yesterday, has been pronounced dead by doctors. We're asking for bold, unified prayers from the global church to stand with us and believe that he will raise this little girl back to life. Her lifetime here is not done, and it's our time to believe boldly, with confidence, wield what King Jesus paid for. It's time for her to come to life. This is a bold prayer. The day after your little girl has died. Day two. A good day for resurrection. Kaylee and Olive. I just can't look at these pictures without. Day three is a really good day for resurrection. Andrew. We're overwhelmed with gratitude for your outpouring of love for us and faith for Olive. Jesus is faithful and true. He's doing with victory what we brought for Olive. Olive Elaine McVictorious, awaken, and we call on the mighty, all-sufficient name of Jesus, and we call you back to it by name, sweet girl. You will live. Thank you for your faith-filled declarations. Keep them coming. Worship Jesus with us. He is moving. He is good. He is worthy, and he is alive. Day four, the church gathered. A really good resurrection. All hail. Make way for King Jesus. Day five is a really good day for resurrection. I've never been more grateful for Jesus. He is endlessly worthy of our love, trust, faith, and risk. Day seven. Olive, we miss you. Love you so much. We'll see you soon. Andrew and Elise looking out over Lake Shasta. We know more than ever that King Jesus is good and his word is worth believing and following at any cost. This is a song we'll sing until we're here with you again and we finally sing it together. We cannot wait. It's a new day. We're awake for it. This is a victory story. Love this picture. Andrew throwing Lisa up to the rainbow. Kaylee's beginning of a song, reaching for rainbows, maybe one day at stars. For now I'm learning all the places that incarnation is found. He stoops down low, there's healing here on the ground. That's the Heavenly Father with us, doing that same thing. Except Olive is dead. This is about six months later. This was the post just a couple days ago. 
This is on their family vacation. Lisa's five years old now, I think. And you see what's true of Kaylee? She's carrying their third child. Familycation without our whole family. New memories without you all here. Clumsy. So many times we said, Ollie would love this. And through smiles and tears, lovingly hold memory in place of holding her. Note those lines. Through smiles and tears, lovingly hold the memory in place of holding her. Our last night we bid farewell to the ocean and this rainbow stood waiting, spanning the waters. Say what you will, but I'm convinced those colors are for us, perhaps drawn by a little girl and her father while splashing around in the sea of glass. One day we'll be on the same shore, and that's a promise. Bold prayers of faith. Answered in the ways they didn't want. This is one of the posts that showed up. I asked God, where are you? And he answered, I'm right in the middle of it. And this woman from Malta posted, yesterday I stumbled on a song by Kaylee Hagenthal in the middle of it. I knew what we needed to be reminded of in times like this. Everything seems out of control, but in the middle of a storm, that's where God is. The Bible says, Matthew 14, 27, be brave and don't be afraid. I am here. Jesus is right there with us. We are not alone in this. God gave her that song before Olive died as a testimony of how to deal with the death. And we think of Machado's. I don't know what God's going to do in this. We prayed powerful, bold prayers, and we'll keep doing it. When we pray with Carol after this service, we'll, power, we'll pray powerful, bold prayers as God leads, because we believe God is the God who is the Heavenly Father who cares and loves, and He is the one we need. I talked a lot about prayer here today. I've seen several of you in tears as I talked about this, and I don't apologize for that for a minute. Because when God touches your heart, the tears come. You saw me snotting up here. It's real because there's so much trouble in life. And it's so easy to think God doesn't care because of the trouble. But that's when you see him at your deepest many times, if you're open to looking, and that's what the prayer is here for. You know, in my own case, many have been following my journey with cancer since I found out back in September that I had not only my lungs and brain and the bladder cancer. And that night when I got the news as I was praying and pondering and then coming back from Boise, I got that word from God, this is not the end, keep on with what you're doing. And that word's been confirmed many times. But see, that's prayer in a very uncertain time because when the melanoma comes back, and it's now in my lungs and brain, that could easily be a death sentence. And you come to God and his people, and many of you join me in doing that, and I thank you for that. I'll have scans here in a couple of weeks to find out what the melanoma in my lungs looks like. I've been on the, I just had my seventh infusion. And what happens there is, prayer is never an alternative to physicians. They go together. But see, what I want to say to you is physicians are an alternative to prayer. You do them together because the God of all grace works in all these dimensions. And what I want to ask you all to do, the Machados, pray for James, pray for Matthew and Jennifer. You may not know them, but they're key members in our congregation here. That's a tough place to be, tough place to be. 
Pray for Carol Clark. If you're not on the prayer list, we send out an email regularly with prayer things we'd love to send to you so you can pray. We have a prayer meeting before service every time. We do it on Zoom so people can join in. Love to have you be a part of that. There's all kinds of prayer going on, and we want more of it because we want a community that believes in bold, powerful prayers where we bring our full emotion to the God who cares and loves us as his children. So you may want to pray right now. Talk to somebody next to you. I'll be up here for a while. Anybody with one of these things is kind of official. We'll pray with you. Let's do that right now. Father, thank you that you care about James, Matthew, Jennifer, Carol. Thank you, Kaylee Hagenthal, with her incredible voice and her worship that she uses so powerfully to bring bold prayers to you, prayers of loss that Olive isn't there, but also prayers of joy that they will be reunited and living with memories that are precious and real because you're in the presence. We want to be like that. Show us those places, Lord, where our own sin is hindering our relationship and give us openness to believe that you want to cleanse and heal. And when Jay takes that sermon next week and unpacks that further, we want to hear that message because we want to be righteous people standing before you in full authenticity and integrity because you're the God of compassion and grace and trustworthiness. We want to take that news to the world, and we do that because you are the God who came into this world to give us forgiveness of sin, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the reality of family fellowship at Great Community Church. So grant us your blessing that we can bless many, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go change the world. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.